got a room at the top of the world tonight. I can see everything tonight. Hello and welcome into Monday's edition of the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Stalter of 444.com. Joining me as always is 444.com Senior Editor John Paulson. And uh, John, kind of a, a tough day when you think about over the last 24 hours what has transpired in the world. And then, uh, of course, with Tom, the news of Tom Petty. Um, and I'm going to ask you how you're doing anyways, but I, you know, I know it's been, I know it's been tough. So how, I'm pretty how are you doing today? Uh, I don't often swear on the podcast, but uh, I'm not doing very well. How are you? <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird to do a podcast and talk for you know fantasy, fantasy football with what's what's going on, but um, that's what we're going to do anyway. So why don't we why don't we push ahead? Let's let's talk sports here, and maybe if you're driving in your car right now and you're uh, having a, a shitty day as well, um, we'll we'll provide some fantasy insight for you, and you know maybe maybe some entertainment value as well. So uh, today on the podcast, we're going to run through a brutal list of injuries, and I thought it was going to be worse following yesterday's game than what we know now, but still a bad day for injuries that occurred on Sunday. We'll try to help fantasy owners compensate for key players going down. We'll also run through the latest RBBC situations around the league as we do every Monday here on the podcast. And we'll also go over some pertinent information for the for the Monday night football game between the Redskins and Chiefs. That'll conclude week four of the NFL season. But before we do any of that, John, tell us about the music that brought us. Yeah, that was room at the top, uh, which is the first track off of Tom's, uh, 1999 album echo. It's great stuff. Uh, we listen to Tom rest of the day. Injury news week four could have been devastating for a lot of teams, but it sounds like some of the injury news that has been coming out of the last couple of hours actually been, been pretty positive. The exception is Dalvin cook. Dalvin cooks promising rookie rookie seasons over he tore his ACL on Sunday in the Vikings, lost to the Lions. If owners can't grab Latavius Murray, who is Dalvin Cook's backup, John, which running back could they target this week in efforts to replace Cook? Yeah, when I saw the injury, I my initial thought was actually Jarek McKinnon, but then I uh, looked at uh, his efficiency last year, uh, which wasn't good. They had a really bad offensive line last year. He averaged 3.4 yards per carry. And this year with Dalvin Cook really running pretty well, um, McKinnon is averaging 2.6 yards per carry on 10 carries. So it's not like he's got uh, a lot of touches there, but he has been serving as the primary backup. But then Latavius Murray came in and uh, seemed to be the direct replacement, I would say, uh, just based on the touches and um, – the carries that he got uh, was seven for 21 yards. Uh, he had two catches for eight yards. They signed him in the off season to kind of shore up that position. And then they drafted Dalvin cook and, uh, and Murray had ankle injury in the off season and still says he's not fully recovered. Um, but it does seem like he's the going to be the guy uh, with, with uh, McKinnon being the third down back and, and everything. But with Murray kind of struggling with the ankle injury, I, I would, you know, look at, at McKinnon for a couple bucks too. If he's, if he's available, he was, uh, you know, from an athletic standpoint, he's very good. And maybe with behind the offensive line, if he can get 
rolling a little bit, he could be a productive player as well. Uh, if, if you can't get Murray, I know, I know Murray's going to be expensive given what he did over in Oakland and, and all that. But if you can't get him, Alvin Kamara, um, obviously he's getting a bigger and bigger role in that Saints, uh, backfield, uh, 10 catches against Miami. Um, I just got a comment on Miami's offense. Uh, incredible, like to be shut out, uh, by the Saints. Uh, that's, that, that was really incredible. Uh, Alex Collins, we'll talk about a little bit about him later. He's, he's kind of uh, coming to the forefront in Baltimore. Wayne Gallman, uh, for the Giants, uh, you know, Paul Perkins, uh, we'll talk about him a little bit too, but he seems to be getting some work. And then we'll, we'll obviously talk about the Seattle backfield as well. There's some options there. Let's talk about Marcus Mariota. He also went down yesterday in a loss to the Texans. He suffered a hamstring injury. It was reported uh, about, I don't know, an hour ago that he's considered day-to-day with that hamstring injury. If Mariota does wind up missing this week, what are the quarterback options available for Sunday if uh, if you're a Mariota owner? Yeah, I would say, you know, based on that report, I think Mariota will play. And even if he's limited with his running ability, I would start him at, at Miami. Um, that's not, I wouldn't be afraid of that matchup at all. Uh, if you want to get a, a backup plan ready, um, I don't know what's out there on the waiver wire in most leagues, but Tyrod Taylor clearly uh, is productive. Uh, he's at Cincy. Eli Manning uh, seems to be coming around a little bit. He's at home against the Chargers. Uh, Jacoby Brissett at home against the, the 49ers is not a bad option. You could even go with Brian Hoyer on the flip side because the, the Colts' pass defense is not very good. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser against the Jets, and I, I really – I don't want to say this, but Jay Cutler at home uh, versus Tennessee. Oh no, uh, is a, a desperate, uh, you know, desperation option. Like I, he's he's had two great matchups in a row, and I, I'm not going to rank him high after what happened against the Jets and what happened against the Saints. But you know, the, the Titans just got just smoked by Deshaun Watson, and uh, I, I would think that Cutler has to throw at least a, a touchdown and 250 yards, but. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. He's he's due. Play the dude. Why are they even starting him? Just go with Matt Moore. Like, move oh, on, man. I mean, that might. Uh, I I know this is dumb comment considering they've scored one touchdown, which came at the very last play two weeks ago. But I would I would maybe I I don't I think it would be even worse. I mean, they just don't have any they don't have any options. It's horrible in Miami. Yeah, I think Matt Matt Moore would be would be better, but. Well, maybe we'll, <laughs> we're, we're splitting it. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe yeah. we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, my, my Falcons took on a brutal loss yesterday. And of course, I don't know how it is for you, John, but I absolutely hate this question. Inevitably, when your favorite team, if they happen to be good and they're playing a team that people didn't expect to win, you start getting that text message. What's going on with the Falcons yeah. or what's going on with the Packers? And, and it drives me crazy. What's going on is they went from Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu to Justin Hardy and and, and uh, um, I forget I forget his name I forget I, I'm the biggest Falcon Nick Williams Nick, Nick Williams, Williams. Yeah. so you go from you know Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu to Nick Williams and Taylor Gabriel and and Justin Hardy I mean it's it, it's brutal and they lost three defenders as well Vic Vic Beasley was already out anyways Julio Jones left yesterday in the second quarter against the Bills. It doesn't sound like he's going to miss time because they get a bye week this week, so that might be good. Julio Jones owners might might have uh, been saved. Muhammad Sanu, he also exited the game in the third quarter. He's going to miss two to three weeks, according to ESPN.com. 
Um, so Vaughn McClure had that had the report. Sanu's not a great option, anyways. But I guess I guess do you, do you consider Taylor Gabriel or Justin Hardy if Julio Jones winds up missing time? Well, you know, you know, I think it's more about Sanu missing than maybe you get Gabriel in there because I think Julio's going to end up playing coming out of that bye. He's got two weeks now to rest. He's got Miami and uh, New England coming out of the bye with the Jets after that, so I think he'll be okay. And uh, Gabriel didn't catch a pass yesterday, even amidst all that, um, all those injuries, which is kind of crazy. You know, think about it uh, that he wouldn't have done something. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't be too worried about Jones. I think if you, if you're depending on Sanu to start for you, you're, you're in, you're in trouble anyway. Um, but this is, you have a, you have a week or two here cause he's going on by anyway that you would uh, need to shore up the position. And there's, there's plenty of waiver wire options out there. Check out the waiver wire watch on 444.com. Uh, Brand Niles does a great job with it. One thing I would say, too, I was kind of using Sanu in some DFS lineups because he was so consistent. I know he didn't catch a pass yesterday, but if Sanu winds up missing a game or two, consider Taylor Gabriel. You know, have him in the back of your mind. He's going to be a cheap option. I know we don't talk a lot of DFS on the spot, but um, just something to keep in mind. Derek Carr suffered a back injury in the second half yesterday in Denver. He was going to undergo an MRI uh, to determine the severity of the issue. Last time I, I saw a report, it sounds like it was just back spasms. And hopefully he's going to be in the lineup this week. EJ Manuel's car's backup. Michael Crabtree didn't play yesterday, John. But does Carr's injury impact how you view the Raiders' skill position players if he does wind up missing a game here? Yeah, it's he's he's the you know, he's the machine that makes that offense run. And even though they weren't doing that great uh, against the Redskins uh, last week, and then Denver, um, you need him in there uh, next week. They have Baltimore, which is pretty solid defense uh as well and then uh the following week they have the chargers but uh mario cooper's not playing terribly well uh and you're hoping that michael crabtree that he had a setback so something happened this last week where he was practicing and then he wasn't so uh you know he's on a lot of my teams and i hope uh, he's uh able to play uh next week and um without without him and without Carr, this is just the same offense. And so, yeah, you're, you're, you're watching those guys closely this week. Chris Carson, this is another big one, John. Chris Carson was carted off the field last night with a leg injury and the Seahawks win over the Colts. The injury looked nasty when they re- replayed the the, uh, the play and a uh, potential season ender. He was placed in an air cast and then carted off the field. Now, Carson had emerged as Seattle's top back. So how do you view this running back situation in Seattle now? You got Eddie Lacy, you got Thomas Rawls. J.D. McKissick comes out of nowhere last night. He had two touchdowns, one on the ground, one in the air, just a, a lightning bug type player. Who's who's the back to own now in Seattle, or do you just say, forget it, I'm I'm not playing Russian roulette with this group? Well, Carson was the back to own. Like, he had emerged as the guy. Uh, and, you know, he, with if there would have been a healthy ProSize, it would have been Carson and ProSize, I think. Uh, with Carson being out now, uh Lacey was up and Rawls was a healthy scratch. So to me, Lacey is ahead of Rawls. Uh, there is a, a news item out there from ESPN where uh, Pete Carroll said that with Chris being banged up, we're so fortunate to have Thomas ready to jump back out there. We're just lucky to have a guy like that who's ready to go and healthy and all that. He also said that Lacey looked good uh, and need, needs more carries to get going. So to me, he's saying that they have Rawls as a healthy scratch that they're fortunate to have that depth at, at running back. That doesn't mean to me that uh, Rawls is going to come out and be and take over Chris Carson's role, because if he was 
that far ahead of Eddie Lacy, then he would have been active last night as opposed to Lacy. Sure. So um, Lacy is you're, what you're going to get with him after watching him in, in Green Bay. He's a good running back when he has some space to work and he needs a hole to run through. He's not going to create yards that aren't there. Uh, he might be able to get you two or three yards just from his power uh, if he, you know, as he's trying to break a tackle. But to really get the full Eddie Lacy experience, you need a full hole where he's able to get ahead of steam uh, and then go make him go make a uh, safety miss or run him over. Uh, but I don't, I'm looking at this backfield and I don't see a clear move here on the waiver wire. I think McKissick um, will be the third down back if Procise is out, but Procise is supposed to be back this week. So what are they going to do with McKissick? Uh, I think you have Lacey and Rawls probably splitting uh, carries on first and second down. And then if somebody, one of those two gets going, then they'll ride the hot hand and then they'll have the third down back active. Uh, you know, typically they have three running backs active on game day. So one of these four guys is going to have to sit and I'm guessing it will be uh, one of the third down backs. So if process is healthy enough to play, it might be McKissick. Uh, and then they may decide to keep four active, I guess, but um, I'm not going out and, and spending a lot of money on any of these guys, but I think, uh, you know, Lacey and Rawls, one of those two will, serve as the first second down back in any given game, but you just don't know which one it's going to be. I think they're going to give a Lacey a series and they'll give Rawls a series. And then if one of them looks really good, uh, they'll continue to ride them. Uh, and this running game in general has not been real strong over the last couple of years anyway, because of the offensive line problems. Um, so this is just uh, continuing to be a headache. And, you know, we thought we were out of the woods with the Carson uh, emergence, but now he's, he's gone for the year. Uh, it's a tough break for him. And, and we're back to, where we have four running backs and we're trying to figure out who's going to start. You beat me to the punch. I was going to say my head hurts. You're doing, you did a great job explaining it, but uh, I mean, what a mess in Seattle. I'm sure you're, you've got a headache now too. Uh, let's, let's move on. We'll talk about Paul Perkins. This will be the last one and then we'll move on to some RBBC situations, but Perkins took a shot to his rib cage yesterday in Tampa. He, he's considered week to week. Orleans Darkwall was the backup, but he was inactive yesterday. He, had, he has a back injury. Should there be any interest at all in rookie Wayne Gallman from Clemson? Well, I think there should be some interest. Uh, he started playing uh, significant snaps there. It looks like in the th- third quarter, um, had three straight runs for uh, had a 13 yard run, a one yard run, a four yard run, and a no gainer. And then he uh, caught a touchdown pass uh, right after that as they were driving into the Tampa red zone. Uh, he had some touches after that as well with with Perkins on the shelf. Didn't uh, tear you know, tear anything up. I mean, the fourth quarter drive, uh, three yard run, two yard run, three yard run. Um, and then Eli Manning threw a touchdown pass to Rhett Elson, which I'm sure made all the Odell Beckham owners really happy <laughs> about that. Uh, I think, you know, this is with, with Gallman coming in, this is a situation where he's benefiting from the dark white injury. Uh, we don't know what, if anything, he would have gotten in terms of touches if Darkwood had been playing because Darkwood had been pushing Perkins for playing time and had looked pretty good. So, you know, you you don't want to run out. This is one of those where I just don't get that excited about the, the rookie. I mean, I'm, and I've missed out on a few good players because of it, but I've also saved money on uh, a lot of players because I didn't uh, go out and spend a ton of money on this. But 
if this was a situation where Darkwell wasn't in the picture and Perkins was banged up and looking really ineffective and now Gallman was coming in and, and looking good, then yes, I would put in 10 to 20% of, uh, of my fab to try to get a starting running back. But with, with Darkwell on the shelf and then working his way back, uh, is he gonna, is he gonna come back ahead of Gallman? I think that's the question that, uh, you know, fantasy owners need to, to ask themselves as they're, as they're setting their, their fab bids, uh, tonight and tomorrow night. All right, we'll move on to some RBBC situations, but first and foremost, want to tell you again about Draft. It's not too late to download the highest-rated fantasy app. It is called Draft. You can play in live snake drafts, but be done in under five minutes, and they only last for just one week. So drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one now for week five or once the Monday Night Football game ends. You can join one tomorrow, Wednesday, and get ready for week five. Here's the best part. Play for real money. And get this, your chances of winning are 80% better than on those salary cap sites. So all new players get free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. All you have to do is use our promo code, which is 4 for 4. That's right. Play for playing a real money game for free just for using our promo code 4 for 4. That's the number 4, F-O-R, and the number 4. And it gets better. Draft is so sure that you're going to love this offer. They are also offering the most accurate podcast to listeners a money-back guarantee up to $100. So if you don't like it, you can get your money back up to $100. It's pretty much fail, you know, fail-proof here. Just search for Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and make sure that you play for free right now using our promo code 4 for 4 Moving on to some RBBC situations. We do this every single Monday. John, we already touched a little bit on Viking and Seahawk, Vikings and the Seahawks, so we'll move on to the Ravens. Buck Allen rushed for seven yards on two carries. He also caught six passes for 37 yards on six targets, so he continues to be useful in PPR leagues. Here's this this story, though. Alex Collins rushed nine times for 82 yards. He started over Allen. He started over Terrence West. And Collins figures to be a hot waiver wire pickup this week. But what's his ceiling now? What, what are you expecting out of a guy like Alex Collins? Yeah, he, he, when you when a player like this comes in and starts to carry the ball and carry the ball well, and he's replacing Terrence West, basically his role in the offense. He, he's not a great pass catcher. He had two targets, uh, no catches in week four, so he's not completely useless there. They are, they are trying to use him in that part of the game. Um, but this is, you know, originally we were looking at Terrence West and Danny Woodhead, if you remember, <laughs> and then Danny Woodhead got hurt, and then it was Terrence West and uh, Buck Allen, Javorius Allen. And then now Terrence West has been pretty ineffective. I mean, he had four carries for negative seven yards on the year. He has 37 carries for 121 yards. You look at uh, Alex Collins on the year, 25 carries for 206 yards. So significantly uh, better. Uh, his eight yards per carry is uh, over eight uh, Alex Collins, which is why he's uh, assuming this role. Now that's going to come down. Um, but you're looking at him as, you know, the primary rusher and then Allen as you know, he didn't, he hasn't run it that well either, uh, 159 yards on 45 uh, carries. So that's not that's less than four yards per carry as well. So I think what they're going to do is is you know put Collins in what they thought was the Terrence West role, where he's the first and second down guy, and then Allen comes in as the primary pass catcher. He had six catches on six targets, uh, 16 catches on the year. Uh, the better the receiver of the two. So they're going to try to committee this until Danny Woodhead gets back. Uh, and in the meantime, I think Collins is basically taking over that West role, and you're looking at him as a uh, guy I'll probably have ranked in the 20s in standard formats, depending on the the matchup, Uh, but it certainly seems to me like West is on the way out and Collins is on the way in. 
I want to talk to you about the Cardinals. Chris Johnson rushed 13 times for 32 yards in that overtime victory against the 49ers. He also added 31 yards on three catches through the air. And Andre Ellington, meanwhile, he outsnapped Johnson. He uh, caught nine of 14 targets for 86 yards in the passing game. He also rushed five times for 18 yards. This has become a bit of a theme today, talking about waiver wire running backs, but is Ellington uh, back on that RB3 radar now? Yeah, I mean, I think Ellington is your is your PPR choice here in this backfield, and uh, he's he's in there with Theo Riddick and, uh, you know, Darren Sproles before he got hurt, uh, maybe Wendell Smallwood now, or um, Duke Johnson, uh, these guys that catch, uh, you know, four or five passes a game. He caught nine uh, and obviously had a big uh, yardage day. He also had a touchdown that was uh, ruled a touchdown on the field, and then it was overturned. Uh, so that he was very close to having a very big day, but I think you could use him in PPR as your RB3, RB4 spot start flex type. You're not going to get a great 17, 18 point day out of him every week. Um, but you know, you could probably count on 10 to 12 points, uh, from him. Chris Johnson, um, I don't know. It, I, it was encouraging to see some role in the passing game for him because if he's just going to get the 10 to 15, uh, carries for, uh, 30 to 50 yards and probably not score a touchdown because they have trouble running the ball, uh, then it's, he's really not very useful. But, uh, if he's going to get, start to get involved in the passing game as well, which we know he can, I mean, when he was, uh, with the Titans, um, he was a, he was involved in the passing game and, um, was pretty good at it, but, uh, he just hasn't had that role in Arizona. That's been Ellington's role, but the, you know, 13 catches for the, uh, for the Cardinals uh, uh, running backs yesterday. I don't think they're going to hit that every, every week. So um, long story short, Ellington PPR Johnson's just kind of eh, maybe in standard, you might need them depending on your league size and roster construction. But uh, I, I'd be looking more at Ellington if I were the PPR owner. All right. With Matt Forte out, we figured that Powell Bill, Bill Powell was going to have a decent game. He actually had a monster game. He rushed 20 times for 163 yards and a touchdown. He also caught four of his five targets for 27 yards. Something else that's interesting here, against that good Jacksonville defense, Elijah McGuire was effective. Ten times he rushed the ball, 93 yards. He also had a touchdown, caught both of his targets for an additional 38 yards. Talk to us about the Jets' backfield now. Is Powell a starter moving forward? And then what are your thoughts on McGuire? Yeah, Powell was a sneaky start last week, if you remember, and uh, good call. One that really worked worked out really worked out well. <laughs> I was in a I was in a tournament in uh, DraftKings, and only nine percent. It was a GPP. Only nine percent of the people played him. I always thought that was odd. I think sometimes DFS folks kind of overthink ownership levels, and they think everybody's going to be on somebody like Powell, um, and then they're not. Uh, but he ended up scoring thirty one points, I think, and had that really bizarre. 75 yard touchdown run, which was kind of fluky that he didn't get touched on that play and, and ran it in. Uh, but you know, Matt Forte. So is he out for another week or two? If he is, I, I think you could start Powell pretty confidently. Uh, Cleveland is next. Cleveland did do a, a nice job on Joe Mixon. Uh, Joe Mixon at 21. I just want to touch on him a little bit. He had 21 uh, touches. So I know a lot of people were very disappointed with his yardage totals, but the fact that he had 21 touches. Uh, is probably the key stat there for Mixon long term. Um, the Brown, my point was the Browns did a pretty good job of limiting that running game, although they let, uh, uh, uh Gio Bernard, uh, basically run straight into the end zone without having to juke or change direction or, or anything. I don't know if 
you saw that that highlight that that was pretty crazy. Um, but so with Powell, I, I think he's a pretty good start against uh, Cleveland, and then the following week against New England. I think you just have to, to start everyone against New England if you can. He, they are the defense that cures uh, all ales. If you look at uh, Cam Newton, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, um, and uh, Devin Funchess uh, yesterday, I guess McCaffrey was the only player that didn't have a, a real good game against them. Uh, Elijah McGuire, I think you're looking at uh, him seeing about a third of the, the, the touches in that backfield. So we, we have two thirds going to Powell and a third going to McGuire. Uh, nothing happened in this game that would change that, in my opinion. Uh, the only thing that's going to change that that share, I think, is uh, whether or not Forte is back and healthy. So keep an eye on his practice participation because it's going to affect Powell and uh, McGuire directly. All right, moving on. To, moving on to the Eagles. Legarrette Blunt rushed 16 times for 136 yards in that victory over the Chargers on Sunday. By the way, uh, poor chart. The Chargers are playing 16 road games this year. I mean the. Yeah. The, oh, man, I, I, I literally feel bad for them. Everybody that packs that stadium is wearing the opposing team's jersey, but I, I digress. Uh, Blunt also added a 20-yard reception in the mix. He was the he was in a three-man rotation with both Wendell Smallwood and then Corey Clement, but he was absolutely hands down the main back when Phillies when the um, Eagles started to milk that draw milk milk the clock late in the fourth quarter and salt away that that victory for themselves. Uh, with Darren Sproles out for the year, what's Blunt's upside moving forward? Well, just touching on the, the Chargers, they, they never should have moved here. The, the NFL never should have moved them here. They never should have been allowed to move here. They don't have the fan base here to support. And the LA has has gone, I don't know, 20 years without any NFL teams. Before that, they had uh, uh, the Rams and the Raiders, and they both ended up leaving because they couldn't get a stadium. Um, so and at that time, they couldn't get a stadium because I don't think that they had the full support of the city. So really, L.A. should have one team, and uh, it could be the Rams or it could be the Raiders. Uh, but now the Raiders are going to Las Vegas. Um, so it's just it's just a bad situation for char- the Chargers, who are going to be moving into that new stadium and not have the fans to, to fill it. And it's going to take a long time before they're able to develop that type of fan base. And uh, that's just rough because they are the San Diego Chargers. They're the San Diego team. And that's where their fans are. So it's a tough situation for them. And, and seeing all those Eagles fans there just makes it that much more difficult for the, the Chargers to operate on their home field, no which is pretty, pretty ridiculous. So uh, as for the Eagles, I think you're seeing what we're, I mean, I think the first week uh, without Darren Sproles kind of signifies what they want to do. If Blunt gets going, they're going to, they're going to feed him the ball. Uh, 16 carries, 136 yards. If he's running well, uh, he's going to be the guy. I think if they start to struggle to run, if they go up against a really good rush defense, you'll probably see more Smallwood in that Sproles role and have them go to a very pass heavy attack. So if, if, you know, Blunt goes out there and, you know, he has his first four or five carries and they go for five or six yards, uh, they may shift their game plan knowing that they're not able to run the ball, move the ball on the ground. It's not a great running offense. Uh, it was a good one yesterday, but, uh, you know, we saw what happened prior. In the, in the weeks prior with, with Blunt as the lead back and it's kind of spotty. It depends on the matchup. So, uh, Smallwood with the four catches, uh, six targets, six of the seven running back targets, clearly taking that, um, that, uh, Darren Sproles role and he'll end up with, you know, 50 to 70 yards, uh, total yards, maybe a touchdown. He got a rushing touchdown as well. So, uh, he's kind of in that Sproles role and maybe has a little bit more upside than that because he's able to carry the ball uh, inside the the ten yard line, five yard line, and maybe maybe score it. So 
PPR, again, we have a PPR back, which is Smallwood. And then we have Blunt, who's uh, more, has more value in standard. But if you're going to, if you're going to roster him and start him, you got to understand that you're going to have some, you're going to have some bad games because if uh, he's like, he's like Eddie Lacey, he needs a hole uh, and some space to uh, get going and, and, uh, to, to hit that hole. And that's, that's kind of Blunt's game. Uh, one more. We can move quickly here because nobody wants to hear or talk about the Browns, but Duke Johnson caught nine of 10 targets for 47 yards. He also rushed four times for 13 yards and he also had a touchdown. Meanwhile, Isaiah Crowell, which is, one of the backs that a lot of owners were targeting in their drafts coming out of Cleveland. He only he rushed 17 times, only at 20 yards. He also caught one of two targets for seven yards. Is Johnson the only back worth owning in Cleveland? Yeah, the Crowell thing is is real is really interesting. His his stock heading into the year was based on the idea that the Browns would be more competitive and that they would be able to run the ball more than they did last year. But I think he's on the same pace or lower pace and his yards per carry have declined. So the space he's seeing, the holes he's seeing are not as good as they were last year. And, you know, Duke Johnson had the real quiet first game, got cut by a lot of owners. And then now is like one of the primary uh, pass catchers. He has, um, you know, 20 catches through four games. So he's in the mix there with that as a PPR RB2, RB3 every week. Uh, based on his uh, involvement in the passing game, but I wouldn't get uh, like you're expecting Crowell to to turn things around. Um, you know he's got a chance this week against the the Jets. They're 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to to running backs. Uh, if it doesn't happen this week, um, I, I wouldn't. You certainly wouldn't start him against Houston in Week Six. Uh, and there's not a whole lot of great options here before the week nine buy. So, uh, it look, it's looking like a wasted pick right now, but, uh, this week you could use them as an RB2 as a flex, uh, against the Jets because the, the, the Browns should be able to stay competitive in that one. Before we discuss the Monday night football game and wrap up the podcast, I want to mention that all of our subscriptions for 444.com have been discounted 17%. So if you're on the fence before, but you're still saying, okay, hey, I, I want to make a push here. I got a pretty good team, or maybe I, I got to make some changes and I need some help. Either way, now's the time to jump on the 444.com subscription. Again, all subscriptions have been discounted at 17%. You can also get an additional 10% if you use the coupon code. It's that pinned tweet at the top of John's Twitter page. He can be found at, at 444 underscore John. So again, 17% discount on all subscriptions. And you also have a 10% additional discount at using that coupon code at the top of John's Twitter page. I'll throw out his uh, Twitter handle a little bit later on in the podcast as well when we wrap things up. All right, John, Monday Night Football. Uh, what do we know about Jordan Reed's status? He's kind of the one injury that we're looking at. I guess Rob Kelly's also in the mix. Both guys were questionable. Jordan Reed was limited on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then Rob Kelly, uh, I think he was limited yesterday even. He's got the, the, the ribs injury as well. So what do you, what are you thinking in terms of the, the playing status of Reed and Kelly? Well, they have a bye, uh, next week. So that's what has me, you know, worried. As I was finishing up my projections, they had me really leery about ranking Jordan Reed too high, even though he was practicing this week, because if they, if they sit him out again this week, uh, then he'll have two, two full weeks here, uh, to, um, uh, to heal up. So, it's real tempting, I think, for the team to just say, okay, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're playing, but you're still in a lot of pain. Do we want to play you and have you aggravate this injury and be out for a month? Or do you, should we just roll with Vernon Davis, who played well 
last week and uh, hope we can win this game without you. It's a tough matchup in Kansas city. Even if Reed is healthy, um, maybe, maybe we rest you and, and uh, you come back in two weeks, full strength. Right. So uh, that's the concern. And Jordan Reed, like everybody's like, Oh, Jordan Reed's a nightmare. He's an injury nightmare. Yes, he is. Uh, this, we knew this heading into the season. I still drafted him in a couple of tight end premium leagues because he's so valuable when he's out there. Uh, but what's made it really bad over the last two weeks is he's been playing in the late game. It was a Sunday night game last week and it's a Monday night game this week. And it just puts owners in a bind. And that's what they remember is that, uh, that read, uh, you don't, you know, 10 a.m. on Sunday Pacific time. You don't, you don't know whether or not he's going to play it on Monday night. Um, so, uh, I, we'll, we'll know in an hour and a half. This isn't much point The people who are listening are going to already know, uh, whether or not he's playing or not. But, uh, that was what my thinking was when I ranked him, I think at 14, uh, this week. And, uh, and I was advising, uh, owners to, to, if they had a decent option at the tight end position to go ahead and play it, because I just feel like he might sit out. And then same thing with Kelly. Uh, if he's, if he's in, I think he ends up seeing 10 to 15 carries of, if not, it's uh, uh, P. Ryan uh, with that role. But I think Chris Thompson, we talked about last week, is the best uh, best running back in Washington. All right, I got a pick for you. Um, right. I, I handed out Cowboys last week, and they covered versus uh, they're on the road against the Cardinals. I think I'm on a good run here on Monday Night Football. Uh, I like the underdog tonight. I like Washington. They're getting plus seven against Kansas City. I think yesterday and the last two weeks have shown – some of these big teams are starting to stumble a little bit. Yesterday was the Falcons. Two weeks ago was the Steelers versus the the Bears. And there's a couple other upsets that also occurred in week three. I don't know if Washington upsets Kansas City outright tonight, John, but I do like taking competent underdogs. And Washington is certainly competent. I think they'll be competitive. So I'm going to take the seven points tonight. Do you guys have a, a pick? Uh, my guy, rpxl, rp-xl.com, uh, does not have a, a pick for tonight. He's actually got two systems though. One is Kansas City 23, Washington 18. He's testing another one, Kansas City 24, Washington 23. So his, uh, it looks like the way he does it is, uh, if, if the score falls out of a certain range past the, past the spread, uh, then he makes it a, a pick. Like if it's good enough, if it's the score is so wide, uh, that it, it looks like a really strong pick than he, than he calls it. But, uh, both of these systems has Kansas City winning, but, uh, Washington covering, uh, the spread, although, uh, not by very much in the one okay. case. So, <laughs> sure. Uh, all right. That's all the time that we have for today. Remember, you can follow John at four for four underscore John on Twitter. You can follow me at Anthony Stalter. We'll be back on Friday to discuss player statuses heading into week five. And John will also hand out some sneaky starts. Until then, good luck tonight, and we'll talk to you on Friday. Touch your heart Yeah, like they doing those things on TV I love you, please love me I'm not so bad And I love you so Got a room at the top of the world tonight. I got a room at the top of the world tonight. I got a room at the top of the world.